Namaste Sarasati Devi Goravani Pricharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschachadeshatarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskrityam Naram Chaiva Narotamam Daivim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jaya Mudiraya Nasta Prayeshu Vabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtaki So this evening we're going to talk on a section from Srimad Bhagavatam, from the 8th canto. This is 8th canto in the matter of Vamana uh, Leela. The appearance of Lord Vamanadev. So, Eighth Canto is describing the encounters between the demigods and the demons, devas and the asuras. Earlier in the Eighth Canto, we had the description of the churning of the milk ocean and the producing of the nectar. At that time, there was some envy between the demigods and the demons over who should get the nectar. And the Lord appeared in the form of Mohini Murti and bewildered the demons, distributing the nectar to the demigods. So this caused a lot of bad feeling among the, de the demons. Brought didn't end the fighting, it brought more, dis more battles between the two factions. And at one point we even have the death of Bali Maharaj, who is leading the demons. Bali Maharaj was actually killed in the battle. However, he was brought back to life by the powers of Shukracharya. Sukracharya had mystic powers and he was able to revive even the dead uh, members of the demon army. So Bali Maharaj being brought back from dead by the grace of Sukracharya had great faith in his guru 
that faith in the spiritual master is very, very important. Uh, faith can move mountains, it is said. So Bali Maharaj had that opportunity. Just like uh, there's one great devotee of Lord Chaitanya called uh, Morari. Uh, Morari and he had he was he was a young child and he had been bitten by a snake and in a comatose condition. He was parents thought he was dead. They put him on a banana boat on a you know the trunk of a banana tree and sent that tree down the Ganga. However, was touched by the foot of a great devotee. Lord Chaitanya had told his devotee, you should take some disciples. So he said, the next morning, first person I see, I'll make him my disciple. So when he was taking bath, he put his foot in the Ganga, his foot touched his body of the child and brought the child back to life. So that child was revived by the touch of this devotee's foot. Because this child had already died, he had great faith in his guru. He wasn't afraid of anything. He was a fearless preacher, very bold. He risked all kinds of dangers to go and preach. Just like that one devotee, Gadarhar Das. Gadarhar Das was a great, different from Gadarhar Pandit, Gadarhar Das was a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was also very fearless in his preaching. He was so fearless that one night he became possessed with the desire to go and tell the Muslim ruler to chant the holy name. He was so determined, he walked into the home of the Muslim ruler while the Muslim ruler was still in his bed, sleeping in the night. So, Gadar Hadas came into the, this uh, Mohammedan's home, and while he the, the, the ruler was on, in bed sleeping, the Mo Muslim ruler woke up and saw Gadarhar and said, Gadarhar, why don't you just go home? It's the middle of the night. Come back in the morning. Gadarhar just demanded, I've come to get you to chant the holy name of Krishna. And he said, oh, I'll chant Krishna's name another day. Come back. So Gadarhar said, oh, very good, you've already started to chant. Gadarhar was happy just to hear the ruler chant the name of the Lord. So he had that kind of faith. Just as Prabhupada had that faith in the order of his guru that he should go to the West. So 
Prabhupada took that instruction, the instructions of his spiritual master. You know, his spiritual master told him, if you ever get money, use it to print books. Prabhupada always did that. His spiritual master told him, you go and preach to, in the English-speaking world. Prabhupada went to the West. He had that faith in the order of the spiritual master. So Bali uh, Maharaj also had great faith in Shukracharya's instruction. And because he had so much faith, that's why the demon, his army of demons became so powerful that the demigods couldn't defeat them. When Indra, along with all the demigods, saw Bali Maharaj coming, they could see that they're invincible. There's no way we'll ever be able to defeat them now. And they approached Brihaspati, the guru of the demigods, and he said, what will we do? And he said, Brihaspati told him, you're not going to be able to do anything at this time. Time is against you. You have to just keep out the way for some time. Until, he said, because Bali Maharaj has satisfied his guru and he's pleased all the brahmanas, so you're not going to be able to defeat them. But wait, in the future things will change. When he, dis, when he displeases his guru, then at that time, then you'll be able to take advantage of the situation. But at the present time, there's nothing you can do. Pleasing the brahmanas, very important part of the spiritual culture. In the Mahabharata we see how the Pandavas were very dedicated to pleasing brahmanas. The brahmanas and the cows, very important in the Vedic society. <coughs> We're so far away from the Vedic culture today. We don't have any brahmanas in Kali Yuga and, and we hardly care for the cows. Very unfortunate. Prabhupada was interested in both of these things. That we should take care of cows and we should also have brahmanas. He set about training, trying to establish some Brahminical culture. Not that we want to establish Varnashram, that would never be possible. But at least trying to develop some of the qualities of the Brahmins, paying attention to uh, the duties of the Brahmana, like worshipping the deity, and teaching others to worship the deity, studying scriptures and teaching scriptures. Brahmanas are also allowed to receive charity and to give charity. 
it's commonly noted that in the Kali Yuga, Brahmanas are mostly only expert in one of these six activities. <laughs> we don't need to, it's not difficult to guess which one they're good at. <coughs> right? So, this Kali Yuga, Brahmanas. But Prabhupada wanted that there should be a head in the society. The Brahmins like the head in the social body. If you cut off someone's head, the body's useless. You can cut off the arms, you can cut off the legs, the body can survive. But you cannot survive without the head. In the, sim in the social body, the Brahman is a very vital part of the society because the Brahmins are there to guide the society, to instruct the people in how to live, both for their material and spiritual benefit. In Krishna consciousness, oh, just recently, just recently actually, someone, I was in Bangkok, and someone came there and they did an initiation. They initiated people as Brahmin, young men, young Nepali boys. He was giving them all Brahmin threats, you know. He said, I'm, I'm making them Brahmins, but I can't train them. <laughs> yeah. You see, without training, then how they can be Brahmin? The tradition is, anyone can become a Brahmin if they're properly initiated by a bona fide spiritual master and trained. The training is essential. It's not just putting the thread on someone and doing some ritualistic ceremony, but they have, people have to be trained. They have, what the brahminical training is required. So this is the purpose of the Krishna conscious society, that people can be trained in the Brahminical aspects of life. In Brahminical culture, people will take advantage of the early hours of the morning for spiritual practices. Nowadays, early morning we see traffic jams everywhere. People, it means people are not chanting their japa in the morning, right? They're going off to work, they're racing off, and you have to go to the office, you have to go to the factory or to the site. What we should be doing in the morning is actually studying scriptures, chanting the holy name. The morning hours are meant for those activities. This is a Brahminical culture. Other activities, it's nothing to do with prana. It's all based on filling the belly, working to, to, to feed the belly. So the brahmins are very important in the society and similarly also the cows. When the cow is protected, then the society is, can be prosperous and sattvic. So, Bali Maharaj, 
became victorious over Indra and was able to conquer the heavenly planets simply because he had so much faith in the order of his spiritual master and his devotion to the Brahmins. In this way the demons took over Indraprastha, the, dem the demigods, used their mystic powers, they took some other form and they disappeared for some time to wait for the time when they could come back again. And they were waiting for the time when Bali would abuse, when Bali would offend the Brahmins, when they would no longer be pleased with him. So after Bali Maharaj takes over the heavenly planets, Srimad Bhagavatam goes on to describe how the mother of the demigods, Aditi, is affected by the unfortunate situation of her children, the demigods. Mother Aditi, she's the mother of the demigods. And she's the wife of Kashyapa, the great sage Kashyapa. So Kashyapa comes back from meditation and he enters his home and he, he notices something is wrong in the home. Kashyapa is a good husband. He thinks about the welfare of his wife. And he, he sees that his wife is not happy. So he's concerned, what is the problem? Why are you not happy? He can feel the atmosphere in the home, that something is not correct. The home is not feeling happy, a happy place. The husband is sensitive to these things. Uh, all of you, when you come home from work, you can tell how is, what is the mood of your wife, right? <laughs> is she happy or not? So Kashyapa, he didn't just say, oh, I'm going out with the boys, you know. He, he saw something wrong, is wrong with his wife. So he was inquiring, what is wrong, my dear wife? What is the problem? He was asking, have you been neglectful in your duties as a wife? In the householder ashram, there are different responsibilities. Have you been neglectful in some of these duties? Did you, did you worship the fire? Were you respectful to guests? What about the servants? Are you taking care of them? And beggars? Have you been kind to them? This way Kashyapa was inquiring. Prabhupada tells us when he was a child in his home, his father would keep a stock of grains. And in his home every night 
there were guests who would come to his home, take their meals. Prabhupada was often asked by devotees, what is the duty of the householder in his Grihastha Ashram? What is his duty? And Prabhupada would say, Grihastha should go to the door of his home and he should call out, is anybody hungry? If anyone has not taken their food, please come and eat. Food is ready now in our home. Please come, you are welcome. Like this, he said, Grihastha means you have to invite others to your home to come and eat. So Prabhupada saw this in his childhood, how his father had uh, followed this principle. This is a Vedic standard. Of course, the present time would be difficult. Could you imagine in <coughs> India, even in our temple in Juhu, in Bombay, they had the plan Actually, the original plan was that there would be massive prasadam distribution. They, they would distribute prasadam on a big scale there. But when they began to do it, it caused so many people to come that it became impractical. That people of all descriptions came and just took advantage. They just wanted to eat only. Uh, people would come from all different situations. It was seen that it was not going to be a practical <coughs> method to... We couldn't maintain the temple properly if we were going to function in that way. So they had to suspend that program. But Prabhupada wanted that, he had that desire that we could distribute prasadam very nicely to everyone as much as possible. <coughs> so Grihastas have that responsibility, that is one, one of the duties. Kashyapa was worried that maybe his wife had been neglectful in some of these duties. Uh, he also suggests that what about your sons? He says, seeing your withered face, I can perceive your mind is not tranquil. How is this so? The sons, of course, the demigods. So Kashyapa is trying to understand what is the cause of his wife's uh, being, his wife not being peaceful, being in this distressing situation. He is examining her. So Diti will reply. She says, 
Oh my respected Brahmana husband, all is well with the Brahmanas, the cows, religion and the welfare of other people. O oh, master of the house, the three principles of Dharma, Artha and Kama, flourish in householder life which is full of all good fortune. Hmm. She mentions only the three principles, Dharma, Artha and Kama. In householder life, you're not expected to be concerned with moksha. Liberation is after householder life. But in householder life, these three things are essential. Dharma, Artha and Kama. So, uh, Prabhupada explains, uh, Kashyapa Muni was not in the renounced order of life. Therefore, he is addressed here once as Brahman, another time as Grihamedi. Aditi, his wife, assured him that as far as householder life was concerned, everything was going nicely and the brahmanas and cows were being honored and protected. In other words, there were no disturbance. Householder life was duly progressing. The home is very important in our, in, for the Grihasta, of course. He must make sure the home is properly maintained. All of us, and all of you understand that this responsibility. So here we can see the duties of the householder are not just simply economic. It's not just simply bringing in income. But there are responsibilities in other regards. Things which we, of course, cows, where are the cows here in Dubai? Uh, there are cows somewhere, but we don't see them. People don't keep cows in their apartments. Huh? <laughs> in India we see it. I, I remember in India going on Sankirtan in one town, and one man brought us back to his home, and there in, on, the, on the ground floor he had half a dozen cows. You know, very, he lived upstairs. And he took us up in his home and served us cow's milk. So still today in India you get people like that who are keeping cows, giving, giving and taking care of cows and protecting. Of course cows also there will be bulls. When you have cows you have to be able to also take care of the bull. And to, t to engage the bull you have to plow the fields. We have to have some fields for the bull and the, you have to be able to utilize the bulls. It is not just only keeping cows and having them so long as they give milk and when there's no milk, oh, kill them, send them off to be slaughtered. They're no use anymore, as they do in some places. That is very brutal, very sinful. The cow has to be taken care of and the bull also has to be properly engaged. Uh, Aditi goes on, 
beloved husband, the fires, guests, servants and beggars are all being properly cared for by me. Because Kashyapa is a Brahman, Brahmins have to do some fire yagya, certainly Kashyapas, uh, he's in this, in this scene is taking place in the heavenly planets. It's not on this planet, it's in the heavenly planets and it's in the Satya Yuga, the Lord's appearing. Uh, so Diti is performing, it said the wife is a better half of her husband. Why? Because she will accept half of the responsibilities of the husband. This is a wife's duty. That she will not just leave everything for the husband, but she will accept half of the responsibility of the husband's duty. And here you can see Aditi is telling Kashyapa that I've taken care of the fires, I've, t I've been looking after the, our sons, I'm looking after the, 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 the guests have been taken care of, servants and beggars, everyone is being looked after. And she goes on, because I always think of you, there is no possibility that any of the religious principles will be neglected. Oh my Lord, since you are a prajapati and are personally my instructor in the principles of religion, where is the possibility that all my desires will not be fulfilled? So you can see Aditi speaking in a very uh, flattering way, encouraging, you know, she wants to please her husband. This is the business of a wife, that they should please the husband, they should speak kindly, respectfully to the husband. Aditi goes on, O son of Marichi, because you are a great personality, you are equal toward all the demons and demigods who are born either from your body or from your mind and who possess one or another of the three qualities. But although the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Supreme, Supreme Controller, is equal toward all living entities, he is especially favorable to the devotees. <coughs> so, here in this particular verse, Diti, Aditi rather, is encouraging her husband that since the Lord is inclined towards his devotees, he should also, Kashyapa should also be inclined to his devotees, to the devotees of the Lord. Devotees of the Lord means his own sons, Indra, headed by Indra and the other demigods. So Aditi is working towards getting some special request from her husband. She wants something from her husband. And she's telling him how the Lord is kind to his devotees. He's equal to everyone, but he's especially kind to his devotees. In the same way she's telling Kashyapa, in this way she's telling Kashyapa that, I know you're equal to everyone, you don't have any bad feelings towards the demons, you're equal to the demigods as well as the demons, but you should be like the Lord. The Lord is especially kind to his devotees. 
So you should be kind to his devotees also. And she's going to ask her husband to help her to uh, get some blessing for her sons. Because the demigods have lost their home. They've been driven out from the heavenly planets. They've lost everything. And naturally the mother is feeling bad. Oh, my children, my sons, they're so unfortunate. They've lost everything. We must help them. So she's seeking, she's petitioning the help of her great husband, Kashyapa Muni. So in this way she goes on telling her husband, Most gentle Lord, kindly favor your maidservant, meaning her own self. We have now been deprived of our opulence and residence by our competitors, the demons. Kindly give us protection. Prabhupada explains here in the purport that when we speak of the demigods, it means also the mother, the mother of the demigods, Aditi. Aditi is asking, her, she's asking her husband to, that, to help her, but she also implies that you should help also my sons, the demigods. She goes on, the demons, our formidably powerful enemies, have taken away our opulence, our beauty, our fame and even our residence. Indeed we have now been exiled, we are drowning in an ocean of trouble. O best of sages, best of all those who grant auspicious benedictions, please consider our situation and bestow upon my sons the benediction by which they can regain what they have lost. Mm. So this is Aditi's request. She wants to get back what they've lost. This is, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes four kinds of people who come to Krishna consciousness, right? Chatur vidavajantimam jnana sukriti no arjuna. Arto jignasur artarti jnani chambharatashava. So here we see Mother Aditi, she is Arta, she is in distress, she's lost something. You know, if you lose something then who won't be in distress? Especially if you lose your residence, you know, now at this time of depression in the economy, everyone's worried, may lose a job, huh? That also would be distress, you lose something. So just imagine the distress that Mother Aditi was in. That all her sons, the, and means also her, because the mother is dependent on the sons. They've lost their home. They've been driven out, lost all their opulence. When you lose up, then their beauty is also lost. Nobody feels very happy in that situation. So she's requesting her husband, help, help me to get back. She sees her husband as a guru, Guru Patni. She's asking him for help. We will hear now 
how Kashyapa responds to this situation. When Kashyapa Muni was thus requested by Aditi, he slightly smiled. Alas, he said, how powerful is the illusory energy of Lord Vishnu by which the entire world is bound by affection for children. Uh, this is the bondage of material existence. We are not only attached to our own body, but we are attached to the things in relation to the body. They are called fallible soldiers. Our home is like the castle and in that castle we have our soldiers, the army to protect us. The army is there in the form of the family members and servants and so on. They are there to protect us. But they are fallible soldiers because they cannot protect us from invincible time. Time comes and takes away everything. So Kashyapa laments, he says, alas, how powerful is the illusory energy. Even in the heavenly planets, even great personalities like Aditi, who is the mother of the demigods, has this affection for her family members. Kashyapa Muni goes on, what, what is this material body made of five elements? It is different from the spirit soul. Indeed, the spirit soul is completely different from the material elements from which the body is made. But because of bodily attachment, one is regarded as a husband or son. These illusory relationships are caused by misunderstanding. Srila Prabhupada has some purport in this regard. He writes, the spirit soul, the atma or jiva, is certainly different from the body, which is a combination of five material elements. This is a simple fact, but it is not understood unless one is spiritually educated. Kashyapa Muni met his wife Aditi in the heavenly planets, but the same misconception extends throughout the entire universe and is also here on earth. There are different grades of living entities, but all of them are more or less under the impression of the bodily conception of life. In other words, all living entities in this material world are more or less devoid of spiritual education. The Vedic civilization, however, is based on spiritual education. And spiritual education 
is the special basis on which Bhagavad Gita was spoken to Arjuna. In the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna instructed Arjuna to understand the spirit soul is different from the body. Dehinosmin yata dehe komaram yovanam jara tatha dehantara prakti as the embodied soul passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, this soul similarly passes into another body at death. The self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. Unfortunately, this spiritual education is completely absent from modern human civilization. No one understands his real self-interest, which lies with the soul, not with the body. Education means spiritual education. To work hard in the bodily concept of life without spiritual education is to live like an animal. Nayam deho deha bajam niraloke kishtam kaman arhate vidyajamye. So Prabhupada is quoting this verse. Uh, Prabhupada was very fond of this verse actually. He lectured many, on many occasions on this verse which is taken from Lord Vrishabdev's teachings in Srimad Bhagavatam describing that sense gratification is available even for the animals which eat stool, like the hog. You know, they're also satisfying their senses. Human life is not meant just for working hard for material pleasures, but it's meant for some tapasya, some austerity. One should not be willing to accept some austerity. Indeed, to understand the soul, one has to accept some austerity. We have to become detached from this body. That takes a little austerity. But that austerity is, it is not troublesome. It is very easily performed in this age, austerity in this age, by simply chanting the name of God, by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, by following four principles, cleanliness, mercy, austerity, truthfulness. This is tapasya for this Kali Yuga. By this austerity one becomes purified and then one can experience real pleasure. Not simply the pleasure of the hog and the dog, but real pleasure, the pleasure of a civilized human being. So Kashyapa Muni is lamenting that his wife is in this concept of the body, thinking about her body and the, her sons, which are byproducts of her body. We lament for our own son. We don't lament for other sons the way we would lament for our own son. This is natural, of course. 
one man was asking Prabhupada about Arjun. What about Arjuna in battle of Kurukshetra? Abhimanu was killed. How did Arjuna react after his son was killed? Just a day or two before, Krishna had spoken Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. And he told Arjuna, you're not the body, you're the soul. <coughs> Krishna had enlightened Arjuna fully in Bhagavad Gita. And Arjuna said, yes, I am convinced. Now I accept everything you say is truth and I will follow. But then Arjuna's son was killed. How did he react? Did he lament? Prabhupada said, yes. Lamentation was there. That is natural. But he went on to fight. After the, the next day, Arjuna was out there again to fight. He did not give up his duty. He continued to act and sit in the service of Krishna. So that is Krishna consciousness. We may be overwhelmed by the situation due to affection for the family, but we have to do our duty. That continues. So spiritual education is certainly required. We need to hear, hear that. We have to hear about the difference between the body and the soul. We know, the, we have heard it many times, but still we have to hear it again and again to remind ourselves. Prabhupada spoke continually <coughs> on this point, enforcing us reinforcing us that the soul is eternal, this body is temporary. The duty of the soul is to serve Krishna, to be engaged in Krishna's service. A foolish person does not know that he is completely under the bondage of material nature. And that after death, material nature will impose upon him a certain type of body which he will have to accept. He does not know that although in this present body he may be a very important man, he may next get the body of an animal or tree because of his ignorant activities in the modes of material nature. Therefore, the Krishna consciousness movement is trying to give the true light of spiritual existence to all living entities. This movement is not very difficult to understand and people must take advantage of it for it will save them from the risky life of irresponsibility. Irresponsibility. People don't like to accept responsibility. When we're not responsible, we're irresponsible. So Prabhupada is saying this is a risky life. We know and, uh, how demigods like Nal Nala Kuvera and Manigriva became trees. They had to stand as trees for many years. 
Indra was cursed by his own guru to become a pig at one point. So it's possible that from a very high position one can take a very low body. We have to be aware, we have to understand the responsibility of the human life. So Kashyapa now is going to go on to give some important instruction to his wife. He understands her situation, she's attached to her sons, but he's going to help her, he's going to guide her. He says, My dear Aditi, engage in devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is a master of everything, who can subdue everyone's enemies and who sits within everyone's heart. Only that Supreme Person, Krishna or Vasudeva, can bestow all benedictions upon everyone, for He is the spiritual master of the universe. Srila Prabhupada writes, With these words, Kashyapa Muni tried to pacify his wife. Aditi made her appeal to her material husband. Of course, that is nice, but actually a material relative cannot do anything good for anyone. If anything good can be done, it is done by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudeva. Therefore, Kashyapa Muni advised his wife Aditi to begin worshipping Lord Vasudeva who is situated in everyone's heart. He is a friend of everyone and is known as Janardhan because he can kill all enemies. In the material world the mode of goodness is considered the best but because of material contamination even the mode of goodness is sometimes overpowered by passion and ignorance. But when one transcends these modes and engages in devotional service, he comes to the level of pure consciousness. And only in this position of pure consciousness can one perceive the personality of Godhead Vasudeva. Thus the Vasudeva condition fulfills a spiritual necessity. Vasudeva sarvamiti samahatma sudurlava. When one realizes Vasudeva, he becomes most exalted. Whenever one is perplexed, let him take shelter of the lotus feet of Vasudeva, Krishna who will give the devotee intelligence to help him surpass all difficulties and return home. Kashyapa Muni advised his wife to seek shelter at the lotus feet of Vasudeva Krishna so that all her problems would be very easily solved. Thus Kashyapa Muni was an ideal spiritual master. He was not so <coughs> foolish that he would present himself as an exalted personality, as good as God. He was actually a bona fide guru 
because he advised his wife to seek shelter at the lotus feet of Vasudeva. One who trains his subordinate or disciple to worship Vasudeva is a truly bona fide spiritual master. One who teaches the instruction of Vasudeva, Bhagavad Gita, is as good as Vasudeva, Jagat Guru. But when one does not, but when one who does not teach his instruction as it is, declares himself Jagat Guru, he simply cheats the public. Krishna is Jagat Guru, and one who teaches the instruction of Krishna as it is, on behalf of Krishna, may be accepted as Jagat Guru. One who manufactures his own theories cannot be accepted. He becomes Jagat Guru falsely. Oh. So Prabhupada is explaining here the importance of taking a spiritual, a spiritual guide. Just like Aditi, she approached her husband to get instruction. What does she need to do? She has a problem. She needs help. And she gets help from her Guru Patni. The husband Kashyapa is there to guide her. How does he guide her? He tells her, you have to do devotional service. You have to worship Lord Vasudev. Now is this proper? Here Aditi has got some material desire. Devotional service should be without desire. But sometimes people also have material desires. Srimad Bhagavatam says, even if you have all material desires or no material desires, or if you desire liberation, in any situation, an intelligent person <coughs> will worship Vasudeva. So Kashyapa is telling his wife, you worship Lord Vasudeva, Lord Krishna, and in this way you will solve all your problems. He doesn't tell her, worship me. In other words, sometimes you get, we often get the impersonalist guru who will declare that he is also God. And worship of the guru is worship of God. But there's a distinction. There's a difference. The spiritual master is not God. A bona fide spiritual master will never claim that he is on the level of God. But, he is trying to serve God. That is the difference. The, when, when Prabhupada first went to America, on the very first occasion of giving initiation to his devotees, some new devotees, he was going to, he said, tomorrow we will have initiation. So then the devotees asked, what does it mean to, to initiate? And Prabhupada said, it means you accept the Guru as God. So then they were all shocked. <laughs> I thought, Prabhupada said, accept the Guru as God. But he told us that a guru, if a Guru said he's God, then he's dog. <laughs> so they became confused. So they had to come back and see Prabhupada. They said, Prabhupada, what is this? This is, this is a contradiction to what you've taught us. 
You're told us the Guru can never be God. And then Prabhupada explained, yes, of course, the Guru is not God, but he's representative of God. That whatever service you give to him, he will offer to his spiritual master and ultimately will be given to God. So this is the idea. The spiritual master guides us in how to <coughs> approach God. Even if we have material desires. Aditi has deep material desires. She's very concerned about the welfare of her children. The demigods headed by Indra. They've lost everything. She wants to see them get back their home, their residence. So Kashyapa Muni is going to instruct her. He's, well, he's already instructed something. He's telling her, you have to worship Lord Vasudeva. Kashyapa Muni goes on to instruct her in the process called Payovrat. It's a process by which one worships Lord Vasudeva for just 12 days. Payo means milk, drinking milk. You have nice milk here. You can drink milk. You could all do pie of rat, right? <laughs> so, actually, this whole <coughs> process of pie of rat is all included in devotional service. Practically every day we follow all of these different uh, injunctions which are required in this pie of rat. Aditi had some material desire. It's not the highest type of devotion to approach the Lord with some material desire, to get some benediction. It is better to serve the Lord without desire. But by worshipping the Lord even with desire, you get purified. Purification will come about. Just as Aditi was purified by her worship. When the Lord appeared as Vamanadev, certainly Aditi was greatly purified by the presence of the Lord. So that is going on more in Vamanalila, the Lord appearing in the home of. Kashyapa and Aditi, and then as Lord Vamanadev going to beg from Bali Maharaj to get three steps of land and take away everything from Bali Maharaj. Previously, Indra had lost everything. This is the nature of material happiness. Huh? One day you get, and the next day you lose. Yeah. You can't have it all good. Happiness and distress are like the winter and summer seasons. It arises from sense perception. Prabhupada gives it, he says that it is said God has ten hands. If he wants to take something away from us, what can we hold on to? <laughs> We've only got two hands. And he's coming with his ten hands. He can take the, everything from us, right? But when he wants to give also, he comes with his ten hands, he can give also so much. You just have to be patient. 
if he is taking from you just now, in the future your turn will come, he will come and give. You see, Indra had everything taken from him, but it came back. Bali Maharaj had conquered heaven, he'd taken the whole heavenly planets, and then he lost it all. <coughs> It's all taken from. But for a devotee, because Bali was surrendered to the Lord, it was not a problem. The devotee can remain steady in any situation. Sometimes Krishna gives and sometimes he takes. We simply accept it all as the mercy of Krishna. Krishna's mercy comes in many ways. Devotee is dhiras, dhira, is sober-minded, not disturbed. And in this way, when we are detached from this material situation, then we can also transcend birth and death. We can give up this body, move off, move on out of this body, back to Godhead, to our eternal relationship in the kingdom of God. So we have to become detached. We are seeing <coughs> tolerance and detachment here. The demigods, how they had to tolerate, how they had to be detached. And then later on we will see how Bali Maharaj has to be so tolerant <coughs> and detached. How he's tied up, humiliated in front of everyone. You know, before he had such a big position, he's the king of heaven. And then the next minute he's tied up like a prisoner. Everything is taken from him. And he's accused of being a liar also. Lord Vamanadev is saying, you told me three steps. I've, I've already taken two and there's nothing else left. You've lied. <laughs> so his integrity is being challenged. But he's sober-minded. He keeps calm and he tells the Lord, you can take it on my head. So these leelas are here to inspire all of us that in our own lives we can also practice like this. That we can become also sober-minded and undisturbed in the happiness and in distress of life. When we lose something, when we lose someone or something very valuable and dear to us, we can remain attached to Krishna. We can go on and serve Krishna regardless. Devotional service. We have to practice like this, remembering Krishna in every situation. So especially in this age, we have to practice chanting the holy name of the Lord. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is teaching all of us how to be detached, how to be simply attached to the Lord through His holy name. In this age, this is the most important, the most of all different aspects of devotional service, the chanting of the holy name is the most essential. 
Are there any questions? Prabhu? Maharaj, uh, here uh, Sukracharya is referred as spiritual master. But we find that Sukracharya is, uh, we understand that spiritual master is the person who takes us towards Krishna and he talks about the spirit. <coughs> but the Sukracharya, he is referred as spiritual master, but we find his activities is taking away from Krishna and he is enthusing his students to get into material way of life. How do you understand this word spiritual master being given to him? Well, remember that initially Sukracharya was encouraging Bali Maharaj to give charity to Brahmins. And he was telling him that by respecting the Brahmins you will certainly be successful. So he was getting some good instruction initially. He was telling him, you know, that he, he, had, in, and he had guided him properly. Respect the Brahmins. Give everything, everything belongs to Lord Vishnu. It was only when Lord Vishnu came to take everything, he said, don't give it, that he changed. You know, when it came to the test, you know, initially he was doing well. He was guiding him properly. But when Lord Vishnu finally came there as Lord Vamanadev, then Sukracharya was having his doubts that, you know, he's coming to take everything away. <laughs> But initially he was doing quite a good job as a spiritual master. Certainly, he didn't, <coughs> they had, uh, he, he had, uh, de they had developed a lot of faith in him and uh, in his instructions. That means a lot, that they had so much faith in their spiritual master, they could follow his instructions. But, as you say, as the name implies, Sukracharya, he was a seminal guru. Seminal guru, he wasn't so much interested in Divya Jnana. Well, so different types of gurus are there. Yeah. Any other questions? On the six, six, duties, uh, the six, uh, six duties of the Brahmana, yes, uh -huh. the studying the scriptures and teaching the scriptures. The scriptures means essentially that the Vedas, but particularly in the devotional line, we give emphasis on Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, and later on also Chaitanya. Uh, uh, Bhakti Shastras are there, Bhakti Shastra are there from the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers and descriptions of the Leela and pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagwat. Uh, so studying scriptures and teaching the scriptures also is one, ju one duty of the Brahmana. And another duty is to worship the deity. And teaching others also how to worship the deity. Uh, worshipping the deity, when I say deity, we particularly mean the deities of Lord Krishna or his different incarnations, avatars coming from Lord Vishnu. In the Krishna consciousness movement, we worship 
particularly Radha and Krishna, Sri Sri Radha and Krishna, and also worship of Gornitai, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nityananda is quite <coughs> prominent, quite common, as well as uh, Jagannath Baladeva and Subhadra. Lord Jagannath is also the form of Lord Krishna with his brother and sister. Jagannath, Baladeva, Subhadra and Gornitai worship is quite simple and doesn't require a high standard. But worship of Radha and Krishna is an elevated type of worship and there are strict rules that one should worship carefully and should not be negligent in worshipping the deity of Radha and Krishna. It's more advanced level of deity worship. So the Brahmana's job is to teach these, these things, to train people how to worship the deity properly. <coughs> I was in one man's home just the other day in Abu Dhabi and he was telling me he had Radha and Krishna deities and uh, he told me how one devotee couple came to his home and they told, showed him that when you offer the food you should take Krishna's flute away. You know, don't leave Krishna's flute in his hands when you're offering the, bo the food to Krishna. You know, this, this man actually was uh, Marwari, you know, it means, the, Marwari means worship Radha and Krishna all their life, you know, They're very devoted to Radha and Krishna. But, you know, intricacies like that, you know, that the flute, you know, that when you offer the boga to Krishna, you should take the flute out of Krishna's hands. Uh, things like that, you should, we should have a bed, put the deities to rest, the deity's slippers should be placed beside the bed, some flowers offered on the bed of the Lord. Like this in every temple you'll see there's a bed for the deities where they sleep. The deity themselves may not be laid actually on the bed, but at least the brahmana who is worshipping the deity should meditate on putting the Lord to rest in this way, by meditation. So there are many different things which have to be learned. Nowadays in Mayapur, just recently they started a very nice course in deity worship, a Brahminical training course in Mayapur, in the uh, Mayapur uh, Academy there, and training devotees how to do all these different Brahminical duties. A Brahmana is actually expected to know something about astrology and to, should be able to perform the samskars. You know, it's surprising how little most Hindu people know about samskars. Things like anaprasna and so on, you know, which are important for the welfare of the children. Very beneficial for their, for them in later life. If from the, throughout their life, throughout their childhood, if they can be given the different samskars, <coughs> beginning with Garbhadhan samskar, begetting of the child, and then also with the birth, and then the Anaprashna is very popular, especially in the, in this society. So these these are good things. Uh, Brahmanas have to do these things, perform these different ceremonies. This is all. Again, it's related to deity worship. It's not actually a deity, but it's part of the Brahminic duties of the Brahman, the priest in the temple. And then they accept charity and they give charity. They don't take the money for themselves, 
you know, they can accept charity and they will use it for some good purpose like a temple, building a temple or establishing, improving the deity worship somewhere and like that. So these are the six duties for the Brahman. One who is a Brahman and should work like a Brahman. This is a, a pop, uh, an important point. You know, people will say, I'm Brahman. By birth I'm Brahman. But they don't work like Brahmins. We should actually also work like Brahman, do the work of the Brahman. Maybe difficult in this age, you may not make the money which you can get in other jobs, but the purification is certainly greater if you can do Brahminical work. Yes. Well, that's because they know the scriptures. So, in the course of teaching the scriptures, they will certainly give ad advice like that. You know, the, the pre their, their preaching will be directed to help the people to improve their life materially and spiritually. Mm -hmm. In this way, they guide. <coughs> the kings would keep brahmanas in their palaces. In Thailand, down to the present time, the king of Thailand still has brahmanas who perform ritualistic ceremonies on his behalf. They may not give much advice. I don't think they'll give, they're giving much advice, <laughs> but at least uh, th there's still these Brahmanas who are attached to the royal family of Thailand and they perform annually many different rituals throughout the year on behalf of the royal family. The Vedic culture. Wealthier people, different business people. I know in India, I know some wealthy uh, families. They keep the deity in their home. They have the family deity in their home. They have also brahmanas who do the puja. They may be Vaisha, big businessmen. They don't do the puja themselves, but they keep within their home a brahmana who is doing the puja. You know, generally people also may have the cook, the brahmana cook. The cook should be there. He should offer the, the book to the deity. Part of the deity worship is, you know, it's not just only doing the puja, but the cooking is also part of the puja. So Brahmana also is to cook and offer the food to the deity. We hear about Brahmana Bhojan, right? Feeding the Brahmins. But the Brahmins also supposed to cook, supposed to do, worship the deity. Not just only eat. <laughs> Any other question? Yes? Is there any difference between Brahmana and Vaishnava? Brahmana and Vaishnava. Yes, good question. There are different kinds of Brahmanas. Not all Brahmanas are Vaishnava. There are Brahmana Pandits and there are Brahmana Vaishnavas. <coughs> the Brahmanas 
can be pundits, but they may not be Vaishnava. They may not be just like Kashyapa. We're reading here about Kashyapa. Kashyapa is actually a devotee of Shiva more than Vasudeva. Although in this particular case, he's instructed Aditi that she should worship Vasudeva or Krishna. In other cases, he's generally a devotee of Shiva. So you get uh, Brahmanas like that who are Shivites, they're not Vaishnava. You get Brahmanas even who are just Karmakandi <coughs> Brahmins. They're only interested in materialistic gain, material benefit. And some Brahmanas may even not be, not even material, not even Karmakandi. <laughs> they're, they're just Gnostic, you know, they, they have some, huh? Namesake. Namesake. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, uh, they may be, they may not have any, uh, they may not approve of any scriptures. They may be, they simply speculate and present their own philosophy without regard to scriptures. So, but Brahmana Vaishnava will be devotees. So you, you, you can't think that all brahmanas are devotees. Jati brahmins, right? Brahmins by birth. But they may not have qualities of the brahman. Brahman should, is not, birth is an advantage to be born in the brahmana family. That's a, an advantage to be a brahman. But still you have to develop the qualities of the brahman. What are the qualities? First of all, truthfulness is there. Prabhupada tells a story about the young boy who goes to the school, he wants to enter the gurukul, he asks the guru, can you take me to be the student? And the guru says to him, who's your father? Because if he knows who the father is, then he can understand what kind of family it is. So the boy says, I don't know, I have to ask my mother. But when he goes home to ask the mother, who's my father, mother says, I don't know. Mother also said she didn't know who the father was. So the boy is very simple, he comes back and he tells her, my mother doesn't know who is my father. Guru said, okay, you can come, you can be student. The, any other man, you know, my mother doesn't know who, will make up some name. You know, we'll, we'll say somebody who is, a, you know, we won't want to admit the mother, that my mother doesn't know who is my father. We'll try to hide it. But this boy is so innocent, so simple, he just comes <coughs> and tells, my mother doesn't know. So Guru understands, this boy is truthful. He doesn't hide anything, he doesn't lie. So, I should take him to be the student. Brahman should be clean. He must clean. If the place is dirty, then can it be Brahman? Brahman? Wherever there's a dirty place, the Brahmana has to clean it. Brahman can't say, I didn't make the mess. If the place is dirty, the Brahmana must clean it. Prabhupada gave the example, just like a chemical reaction, a base plus an acid, you put them together, you get chemical reactions, salt and water. He said in the same way, a brahmana, whenever he contacts a dirty place, he must clean it. 
we, Brahmana can clean the place by chanting Hare Krishna. You meet people with dirty hearts, we have to chant the holy name, clean their heart, right? Like this, these are Brahmanical qualities. Samo damasta pasocham shantir arjavam evacha. Jnana vijnana mastikyam brahma karma swabhava jam. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes the qualities of the different varnas. The Brahmana is the most quality, he has to have nine qualities. Nine qualities are mentioned. For the Kshatriya, not so many qualities. For the Vaishya, less. And for the Sudra, just one quality. Just being the servant. But Brahman is, is the most <coughs> challenging qualities are required. Peacefulness, self-control, purity, knowledge, religiousness, like these. So that is why training is required. It's not just putting on the thread and then telling the boy, don't eat the beef. Some, you have to do more than that to, be, to, to actually be a Brahman. So in, actually in Kali Yuga nobody is, there's no real Brahmins. Nobody is really a Brahman anymore in this Kali Yuga. We're way, way below. You know. But we're hearing, we have to hear about these things and try to improve ourselves, you see don't want to degrade ourselves, should think how to advance. So devotee, we, we don't designate people in this age, we don't designate the people as Brahmins, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Sudra. Everyone is devotee, everyone is a devotee, that's it. And who is devotee? Everybody who is chanting. Anybody who chants a holy name even one time, they're devotee. Because they've started chanting. So everyone, like We don't make distinction. Okay, Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki his Holiness Vigunath Ashna Swamaraja Ki. So we also have today in town His Holiness uh, Giridhari Swami Maharaj, just transiting in the night, leaving tomorrow early morning. And then we'll see him, and I hope to be seeing him tomorrow morning briefly. Where is he? He's staying in a uh, nearby place, he's not that well. Yeah, he's been staying in Dukhi. So I request every one of you to also chant one Hare Krishna for Maharaj's help, please. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Uh, he's always with Maharaj, uh, uh, be going for a program at Kisses.